welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Awesome. He's had a good day. Good, I've had a good day. It's great. Wonderful. Well, it is, as Drew said, it's a privilege to be able to come up and share with you tonight. Uh, what I want to do, who was here last week? Cool. Last week, Tony started a series, Living with Margin, and uh, I want to continue that series um, because I don't know about you, but margin is something that I need in increasing measure in my life. And if it's true for me, then I don't think I'm that unique that it wouldn't be true for others in the room tonight. So I want to continue with that uh, series. And um, I want to start with a definition, all right? Because according to the dictionary, margin is simply the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. Or you could call it space between load and limit. It's the gap between rest and exhaustion. The space between breathing freely and suffocating. And or Tony mentioned last week that margin is simply the difference between what you have and what you need. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, or even if you were here last week, our messages you can download from the website. And I would encourage you just to download last week's message because it's a great foundation. It uh, Just some great things that Tony started with. And I think it's one of those messages that you can constantly listen to because we're doing life, we're getting in this rat race, we're getting into this, and we can sort of forget these things, all right? So download it. You're wanting me to pull it further out? You can give me a hand here if it's better. All right, I've done it myself. See, technically advanced I am. Just bend it. All right. I'm thinking right now, I just got a story right now, but I'm trying to get, no, don't go there, Kath. All right. Okay, yes, focus, margin. So last week, Tony started, and just some of the things, just to remind you, if you weren't here, he said one of the key points was don't get distracted. We're talking about how do you live with margin? Don't get distracted. He said, secondly, choose the best thing. Remember the statement that said, in the light of blank, is this wise? And then thirdly, he said, stand your ground. And he just talked about Mary and the story of Mary and Martha and, and what he got from there. And just thinking about it, I thought, you know, one more key for me, if that annoys you too much, you guys wave and I'll just have a handheld. One more key for me is that in living with margin is we need to actually simplify our lives. You see, I don't know about you, and I don't know if you've noticed, but as a race and as a people, we're more technologically, I can't say it, but we are more technologically advanced Thanks, Drew, than previous generations, right? More technically advanced. But here's the other thing. Along with that technological advancement, there is more stress, more financial pressure, more emotional stress in our lives today. Would you agree with me? And maybe if that's not your personal experience, maybe that's what you see around. So we've got all this advancement technologically, but we've also, with it, has come the, the downside, the more stress, the increase in financial burden, all those sorts of things. And so you can get to the point where you think, well, is progress actually worth it? Maybe I've asked that question, but then I've had this thought, actually, you know what? I've never personally had to have surgery 
But I would think that if I did have to have surgery, I'm kind of grateful for technological advancement called anaesthetic. Anyone here kind of grateful for that? Or what about you've had an infection and it won't go away? I'm kind of grateful for the technological advancement of antibiotics, the invention of antibiotics. So it's not um, our technological advancement. It's not progress that seems to be our problem. It's our human response to to progress. See, progress isn't bad. It's how we respond to it. For example... I was going to say hundreds of years ago, yes, hundreds of years ago, but probably you know, 50 years, oh no, maybe let's stick with the hundreds. If you wanted to come from the UK to Australia, you probably spent six months in a leaky boat. See, that's my 80s. <laughs> Split ends, <laughs> your heart out. Just lost all the youth, all right. And then all the older generation. Anyway, six months, three months, however long it t- would take for you to come from the UK to Australia. See, now it takes you less than 24 hours. You fly to Singapore or Hong Kong, somewhere in Asia, you have a three-hour stopover, you get on another jet and you're in London in 13 hours from Singapore, seven from here, all right? So we can get to England in less than a day, whereas in the past it used to take three, six months. Here's the problem. Now that we have rapid travel, we don't go to England once, come back, relax and just get on with life. We go more places. And so what happens is our response is, great, I get to go somewhere quicker, so I'll just go more times. And then we wonder, why am I stressed, tired, don't have energy, don't have this, don't have money, don't whatever. Because you know what? If it had taken me six months to get to England, I'd only go once. But because I can get there in less than 24 hours, I'm going to go more. See? It's the same as, let's throw another thing out. Where's all the ladies? Thank God for washing machines. Amen? I mean, you know, I would hate to have to go down to the local river and smash my clothes over rocks to get them clean. I mean, I'd just be wearing brown because, you know what, brown doesn't show stains and that's easy. But you know what? Thank God for washing machines or vacuum cleaners. But here's the problem. Dishwashers. But here's the problem. We just buy more things that have to be washed and cleaned. So it's not progress. It's our response to progress. And as I've said before... One of my favourite movies is Sabrina. And I love the line in that where Julia Ormond says to Harrison Ford, you know Linus? Linus is the character who's really into money and getting this. She says, you know Linus, more isn't necessarily better. It's just more. And we have to look at our lives and go, you know what? We have fallen for the lie that faster and more is better. And faster and more isn't necessarily better. So what I want to do tonight is just talk about how we can simplify our lives. I believe there are many areas. I want to just pick on three areas tonight where we can simplify and create margin because we're going to need margin in these areas. Remember, margin is the gap between what I have and what I need. We need to get margin in these areas so that we can be great testimonies of what God wants to do. So are you with me tonight? Looking at three areas in our lives that we can simplify to create margin. Oh, I missed my line. I emailed, I emailed Tony in my notes to say, honey, is this all right? And I don't know if you remember, in the, with the Julia Amond quote where she says about uh, Linus, sometimes more is just more. I don't know how many heard this. Tony was, I'm just getting brownie points here because he was really blessed that I actually picked it up. But last week he just went, he's sick and tired of stuff, stuffing things up. And you know what? We've got a room full of people here, myself included, where I've got stuff, stuffing things up. And we talk about creating margin and wanting to have margin in our lives. And some of us have got to get rid of the stuff 
that's stuffing things up. So that's what I want to talk about tonight, how we can make margin in these areas so that the stuff can stop stuffing things up. I just wanted to say that, stuffing things up, because I'd tell my kids off for saying it. So, <laughs> Alrighty, so number one, the first area where we need to create margin is financial margin. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 4 says, Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Or Proverbs 12 verse 9 says, Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be a somebody and have no food. You know what? I was going to apologize for the simplicity of this message because honestly, when I looked at it, I thought this stuff is so practical and simple and yet as I did, I thought, oh, there's an area I could tighten up. Oh, there's an area. Oh, oh. And so I don't want to apologize for it because I just thought, you know what? It's so easy for us to just forget the basics. And then we find ourselves like those mice on the wheel, running, 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 feeling exhausted, don't have energy for the things that are really necessary. It's because we've just let the basics go. And like I said, we laugh at that and go, oh, that's common sense. Better to have, um, uh, not have, a, have a servant and not be... And be a nobody than to be somebody and have no food. And we go, oh, that makes sense. But yet many of us, that's how we're living life. And so what that pretty much is saying is, you know what, guys? We need to live within our means. In other words, like I said, common sense, stop spending more than you're earning. Oh, obvious. No, it's not that obvious. Have you looked at what our national debt is? Have you looked at your personal debt? Stop spending more than you earn. So I want to share quickly just a few keys on how we can make financial margin. The first key, if we're talking about how do we live within our means, it's, I know you're going to hate it, but it's the B word. Budget. Budget. Everybody hates that word, budget. But you know what? If you want to create financial margin, if you, because remember, you want to have something, the difference between what I have and what I need. And I don't know about you, but, you know, we live in the way we're doing things, but there's always something unexpected that will come. That's just called life. Life often throws a curveball, something you weren't expecting. But when you've got margin, it doesn't have to take you out, take you off track, just blow up everything because you've got margin there. And so we can have financial margin if simply most of us, all of us, in fact, in this room, just lived on a budget. Now, here's the key to living on a budget. Necessities for survival first. You might want a clothing budget, but if you don't have food in the cupboard, then the clothing budget might be missed this this year round. This financial year, there is no clothing budget because you know what? We want to have food. It's no good me rocking up going, I look good, but I haven't eaten for four weeks. (laughs) Because if I hadn't eaten for four weeks, I'd I'd be a rather snitchy person to be hanging around because I'd be hungry, I'd be miserable, I'd be cranky. And a few other things. <laughs> but anyway, so necessities for survival first. Budget. You want to create financial margin? Simple, I know. But you know what? If it was that simple, we'd all be doing it. And I, it's amazing when you sit with people who've got themselves into financial mess and you ask, you know, how's your budget? They just look at you like, budget. What's a budget? Never heard of a budget. Budget. Second key, how do we create financial margin? Is be content. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Here's a newsflash. There's always something new and something better. When you've got something new, guess what? You have it once, you have it 24 hours, you use it once, you wear it once, whatever it is. It's not new anymore. 
So then you're looking for something. Contentment is about being content with what it is I already have. There's always something new or better. And when we're chasing unnecessary things, guess what we're doing? We're using the margin that we've created. I've created margin, but now because I'm not content, I'm always wanting this, I'm always wanting that. I'm using that margin that I've created. And when I really need it, guess what? It's not there. So we're talking about how do we create financial uh, margin, we're budgeting, we're being content. How's this? Get off the junk mail list. How many of you have got a no junk mail please on your letterbox? Oh, a few of you. The rest of us should actually go out and buy one of those stickers and put it on there. Because remember we're talking about create fun. How do you be content? Well, you don't worry about what it is everyone else has got. And yet the junk mail, the whole purpose of junk mail is to put an idea in your head so that you go, oh, I don't have that. I didn't know you could get a pancake maker that you just poured it in, shut the thing, and it made itself. I've got a pancake maker. Her name's Jordan. She does a great job. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's what junk mail does. And nowadays, we don't even just get junk mail in our letterbox. Email. How much junk mail through email? Oh, you got this. I walked into the plaza the other day and did it. I thought, oh, someone's text me. And it's Hoyt Bluetoothing me, telling me, oh, you need to buy for Christmas 100 I'm I'm like... I've just walked into the plaza and it's zoned in on me. Junk mail comes in everywhere and we, don't, we underestimate the power and we underestimate the energy it takes for us to be combating those things. And yet I'm saying, you know what, create financial margin, make a smart move, put a don't have junk mail sticker on your letterbox and do a whatever you get, someone like Drew, who can do the little thing on your computer that stops the junk mail coming, all right? Do whatever's necessary. And if you're really, if you're really, because... I had to struggle with this because I actually like junk mail. I really do. But you know what? Really, really liked it. But I, I went for a season where I just thought, you know what, I, this is getting... Because I like to look. And I've nailed a few things where I can look and it doesn't create something in me. But I just went through a season of three months. Just, you know what, I went straight into the recycling, straight into the recycling, straight into the recycling, just, again, to nail that thing. Because, you know, we... When they talk about how do you kill a frog when you boil it, you put it in cold water and then gradually you turn it on and it just, you know, boils itself to sleep because it's just not aware of the circumstances around. And that's how we are. We start with it thinking, oh, I'm all right with the junk mail, but then we start to think, hey, oh, my credit card bill has come in or this bill has come in or this, and then where did that margin go? You know what? We've just been slowly suckered in. We've bought into the lie that I'm handling this. And so for some of you, junk, the junk mail thing's like, oh, that's silly. But you know what? For others of you, it'll save your life. Get rid of junk mail. Remember, we're talking about creating financial margin. How about this one? Be thankful. How do you create financial margin? Be thankful. When the girls got up here and spoke about India, and I know that uh, Matthew's here again tonight, the overwhelming sense that came back was, you know what? I realized how much I have. If you live in this country, I don't care the most dire financial needed person here in this room is still in the top 5% of the richest people in the world. You may be the lowest here in Australia, but you're still the top 5% in the world. That's what you need to remember. Be thankful. Thank you, Jesus, I live in this country. Thank you, Jesus, that if I am unable to work, I do have a government assistance that will help me. 
You know, the number of people who say to me, you know, but you can't live on it. It's like, yes, you're not supposed to. It is there to help you. It is a grace to you so that you do not starve and your family. No, you're not supposed to be live on there. It's a grace to you to help you through this season so that you can make the adjustments, whatever needed, so that you can get back on to doing life how it should be done. You're in the top 5%. There is no excuse. Be thankful. Say, God, you know what? I want to create financial. I've got to be thankful for what I've got. I loved it this year. My mum has rung me several times for what do my kids want for Christmas. Can I tell you? All three, oh, except for Bailey, she's four, but Mitch and Jordan, most of them, like, you know what? They cannot think of what they would like for Christmas. We sat down yesterday and I said, wow, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? I said, wow, your life is good. If you can't list off. Now, they could list some things off because, oh, well, if you're going to spend money, I'll have this, this, and this. But we're talking about what do you want? What do you need? And they actually couldn't come up with anything. What they're saying is, you know what? I got it good. Life is good. Be thankful. We're talking about creating financial margin. Don't compare. Don't compare. How are you going to be content is when you understand this is what I've got. Look at what you have, not what you don't have. I'm tired of hearing, well, I don't have that. I'm like, well, what do you have? Because often God's not saying, you know, he didn't say to Moses, what don't you have? He said, what's in your hand? So I say to people, what, what do you have? Stop looking. Well, I don't have this. And she can sing and he can dance and he can do this and they can do that. And that. It's like, it's not about what they can do. It's what, what have you got? And when you start looking, you go, you know what? I've got this. I've got a roof over my head. Maybe it's only a two-bedroom house, but you know what? It's got two bedrooms. Maybe it's only got one bathroom. You know what? You don't have to go outside. You don't have to go get a port or whatever. It's like, don't, don't compare. Just this is what I've got. Better to be a live dog than a dead lion. Better to have a servant and be a nobody than to have the palace and be starving to death. That's what it's talking about. Be thankful. This is what I've got. It may not be what they've got, but you know what? If they're living within their means and doing their own thing, that's cool. And if they're not, then you're actually better off than them because you're probably happier and you've got more financial margin so that when something comes along, you've got the capacity to be able to get involved in that. Creating financial margin. Look at what you have. Keep your focus on God. Secondly, I reckon the second area that we really need to make some margin in is relational margin. Now, you're not going to like this one. But you know what? Some of us have got to cut negative relationships. The energy it takes to keep negative, draining relationships uses up your margin. And when a genuine need comes, so I'm not talking about you just now go, okay, everybody who's not as up to where I'm at or, you know, needy, need some things of me, I'm just cutting. No, I'm talking there are genuine needy relationships that God has designed for you to be in partnership with. But when you have wrong needy relationships, the margin that you have so that when someone comes along that God has placed in there that he wants you to invest in and spend time with, you don't have the margin to be able to do it. And it becomes, oh, no, not another person I need to. Whereas if you have got relational margin when that comes along it's you see it as an opportunity rather than a burden we need to create because I with the hands and feet of Jesus and the Bible says that it's the sick that need the doctor so we need to make sure we've got relational margin so that when the sick come in we can care for them 
But if we've got all too many other wrong relationships, we're not going to have the margin there to be able to do the ones that God is in and concerned about. So how do we do, how do we make relational margin? We have to have an honest assessment of our relationships. It's like a stock take. Stock take time, the stores go through, they want to know where their business is at. They want to know what stock's on the shelf, what's going, what's selling, what have they got left, where do they stand. You know, we need to do that relationally. I'm not talking cold and callously, but I'm saying let's be honest. Let's sit down and go, you know what? Which relationships am I entering into that are worth maintaining? Because relationships take effort. They don't just, some of them just happen. Sometimes you can get blessed with that person who just makes it happen and you feel like I'm the beneficiary of the relationship and I don't do anything. But a lot of the time, relationships take work. They take effort that we, and it's worth putting effort into. But we've got to sit down and go, okay, which ones of these are worth maintaining and which ones are worth letting go? And for us to create relational margin, you know what it's going to require of us? It's going to require of us to deal with insecurities in here. Because many of us have relationships based on what we get out of it rather than what's right. And so if we are people pleasers, we're afraid of what people think, I'm more concerned about what they may say, we'll find ourselves developing relationships that are wrong relationships because they're eating into our margin rather than us using proper margin to be able to help others. So the responsibility now is on us to deal with us. Now, we can't deal with us. We come to God and say, God, now you help me. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. Just lost my place. Where is it? Here. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If you're concerned about what people think, you'll say yes to the wrong things and no to the wrong things. But when you understand God and say, Lord, you work with me, you understand, you'll be able to say no to the right things and yes to the right things. But when we're acting out of fear or insecurity, because remember when Jesus was baptized and he comes out of the water and the voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, before he did anything. And it talks about it being, it's Jesus' identity, his acceptance and his approval coming from the Father God. And that's where we need to be. You cannot find in any human relationship that which you can only get from God. And when you're full of insecurity, when you're full of the fear of man, when you're worried about what people think, you're going to look to relationships to be able to receive those things when the only relationship you can get that from is Father God. And then so then you'll be using your margin because you won't want to cut this relationship because you've got it on a wrong foundation. I've got this relationship based on I'm getting something from them that I really should be getting from God. We need to make some adjustments in our relationships. And when you understand that, then you make the adjustments and you do it graciously. It's not like you now go and take a machine gun and just mow down all the, I heard this message and you're not good and I don't, you know. But I'm saying lovingly and graciously, with the help of God, you look at your relationships and go, okay, God, where is this not helping me? Where is this draining me? Where is this margin not a good one? And even now as I'm sharing, I know thoughts are in your head. Holy Spirit is saying to you, this is what she's talking about. That's the one she's talking about. Are they bad people? Not necessarily. They may just not be good for you right now. So again, you can do it in such a loving and godly and gracious way that when you've dealt with your own issues, you can be gracious in that. All right, so you hear my heart on that. Graciously, lovingly, but rightly. 
Uh, talking about relational margin, what else? Invest where there's a good return. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, I'm not always talking about relationships that are just fun and agreement. We're talking about investing where there's good return. I am not here today because the people that I've spent time doing life with and had them investing in my life have always told me everything I wanted to hear, have always agreed with me, have always thought that I just can't do anything wrong. No, I'm here today because I've had people I can trust in my world who have been good and fun and friendly too, but have not been afraid to go, that thing is not going to help you. That thing, hey, we need to work on that. That thing, great, let's develop it. So it's both ends, you hear me? Because the natural flesh wants to go, I'm going for the easy option, the ones that are easy. Woohoo, life's a party, let's keep it going. Nobody challenges and hey, everything. No, that's, that's a part of it, but there's a part of those relationships that they, I've got people in my world that when I go to visit, I hold my breath because I walk in the door thinking, okay, here goes, Lord, because I don't know what they're going to tell me. Are they going to go, you know what, things are doing good, or are they going to say, Kath, Let's do coffee. Let's sit down. Let's talk about this. And instantly you're going, oh, no, it's coming. But you know what? I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't do the things I do or have the opportunities that I have if I hadn't invested with people and people invested with me for what's better. Just go, you know what, Kath, that relationship right now, not helpful. That thing right now, not helpful. That thing, no, never, ever go. Whatever. Alrighty, investing where there's a good return and stay close to healthy influences. Healthy people that are in for your future, that are for you, that are, again, not just, yes, 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 whatever you say, is this a good idea? You know that girls will relate to this, you know, when you go shopping. I always say to my friends, you are not my friend if you tell me this looks good on me and it's hideous. A better friend says, oh, what are you thinking, even trying that on? So that's a better friend, all right? So invest where there's a good return Stay close to healthy influences and put boundaries in place. Boundaries in place. Not selfish, but self-care. All right? And then thirdly, emotional margin. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. You know, our thoughts design our future. What you think on is what you act on. On. If you're not thinking straight, you're not acting straight. You won't be making good decisions. And if you remember last week, Tony spoke about Mary and Martha and how Martha made wrong decisions because she had no margin in her life. And we need to create emotional margin so that we can be making right decisions. So how can we make some emotional margins? Firstly, you need to feed yourself. It's obvious, but again, it's sometimes the first things that go. We're talking about how do, we, how do you take captive every thought? How do you make it? It's like, read your word. What about a, relation, a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in Romans 8.14 that those that are led by the Spirit are sons of God, not those that are led by their emotions. Well, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. I quite often don't feel like making dinner. But my family still gets dinner every night. I don't feel like washing clothes, sticking them in the laundry, vacuuming, scrubbing the toilet. There's lots of things I do I don't feel like doing. But I'm not led by my feelings. I'm led by this is part of what I do. All right? And then, you know what? You cannot do this Christian life without the infilling of the Holy Spirit and being led by that. 
You know, whenever we're trying to talk with people and count them, which again just happened this week, people want to have, what's the rule? Okay, so what is the, what's the standard line for Victory Church on this issue? It's like there is no standard. There are very few standard lines. There are some that that's it, you can say from the front, this is the stance because they're godly. But there are other things that, you know what, is we're led by the Spirit. And for you, this is the situation. For them, totally different answer. For them, different again. Because it's we're being led by the Spirit. Because you know what? Everyone, there's different things at work here. And what might be right for you is not right here because there's something going on over there that's not going on over here. And so, so we need to be talking about how do you make emotional margin? You've, you've got to feed yourself. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to be reading. You would, you, I know you're going to hate me for it, but you've got to be coming to church. Whenever you get up here and you say you should be at church, people go, why should you see you just say that because you just want us here. Yes, but not for the reason you think. I want you here because you need to be here. You need to be here because this is part of your being fed. This is part of you in community. This is part of the fact that you actually can serve. Do you know, you don't just come to get all the time. We trust that you do, but you know, you have a, God says he places the lonely in families. Now, my four-year-old might have a snooty on and decide, well, I don't like this family, but it doesn't cease to make her part of the family. It's like, well, you might have a bad attitude, girlfriend, but you're still part of the family. And God has placed the lonely in families, and you can sit there going, well, I just don't want to. You're free, but you're not as free as you think. And so when we say, you know what, you need to be in church, it's because you need to be in church. Not because I feel great that you're here and I feel good because, oh, look, the seats are full. No, you need to be in church because you need to be in church. God has placed you in a community and a fellowship for a purpose. And you want to create emotional margin, then get your butt in church because you're going to hear stuff. And it might be from the front, could just be in corporate worship. It could be over coffee there. What about the programs the church puts on? We try, you know what? You can't do everything on a Sunday. So you have men's ministry and you've got men going, well, I don't need it. Like if I, my husband said, I don't need it, I'd slap him around the head and say, buddy, you need it. I'm buying a ticket for you. This my husband would do that to me. Girlfriend, if you think you don't need that, like I've got another story. Women's things, there's group things. We put on what we can to be able to help you, but I cannot make you come. It's like my kids. I feed them. I make their meals. But you know what? I'm teaching them to be self-sufficient so that they can start to make their sandwich. They can start to make their lunch. So if they come to me and say, I'm hungry, my standard response is, hello, hungry, I'm mum. But after that, it's like, well, you know what? You've got two hands, you've got two legs, you can walk to the cupboard, you can open the cupboard, you could probably grab the bread out. Um, maybe Bailey couldn't stick it in the toaster, but Mitch and Jordan could, you know what I'm saying? And we put things on as a church, but I can, we do that. We're providing you avenues and opportunities and, and get involved and, and come along because of it. it's going to create emotional margin in you because you're going to feed yourself, but I can't force you to come. You can stay like my four-year-old forever if you want, but she'll outgrow you because she's wanting to learn how to put the toast in the toast, the toast in the toaster, the bread in the toaster, and don't put the knife in. Please give that to mummy. All right. So coming to church. It's your responsibility to feed yourself. How about this one? Remember, we're talking about emotional margin. Watch where you go when you're emotionally low. Seriously, I know it's good. I hear that all the time to myself. Here's a bad example. Last night, now my husband is away, 
And I don't worry when he's away, you know, I can sleep at home with the kids, it doesn't bother me. But for some silly reason last night, I watched a movie, and I'll say it, so don't hold it against me, but I watched that movie Taken. Now, I love that movie, because you know what, I put it on Facebook, I just said, you know what, I love the the father heart, He, he did what he could. Now, I'm not saying that whole movie's good, so please, I'm sure there's bits in it that don't worry about it. So, but what I'm, hear the message. But anyway, doesn't matter. I watched it, okay? So then I'm going to go to bed last night. And for the first time ever, I was like, oh, are the doors locked? Because the concept is she gets kidnapped and he's got to get her back. I was like, here I am. So watch where you go when you're emotional. Like, my husband's away and I've just watched a kidnapping movie. And I can normally sleep, but now I'm like, okay, <laughs> I think I better get up and check the door again and check the thing. And I never do that. Never. Emotional margin, like an emotional idiot. Why would you do that? Watch where you go when you're emotionally low. What's the number one key they tell you when you're trying to watch what you eat? Never go shopping on an empty stomach. Why? Because all chocolate, this, that, you buy everything because you're hungry. And so, so that it's one of the number key thoughts is, you know what, eat before you go shopping because when you're full, you don't look at stuff that way. Watch where you go when you're emotional. We laugh and joke about it, but it's serious. Young people, you know what, if you're insecure... In who you are in God, if you're looking for approval and acceptance and love from men or from women, depending on your gender, <laughs> to throw it in. It's usually, it's, it's usually girls. No, don't be silly. I'm being serious now. It's usually girls. But you know what? If, you, if you've got all those insecurities, you go to the nightclub, some guy shows you an interest, you'll find you'll go places you never thought you would go because you're emotionally low. So do you say, oh, see, Victory, you can't go to a disco. I didn't say that. I think most of you shouldn't. I know. Let me finish. Let me finish. I think the majority of you shouldn't. Some of you may be able to, but the truth is a lot of you haven't dealt with those things and you will go to those places and find yourself doing things, being things. Then you wake up in the morning and think, how did I get here? I'll tell you how you got there. Watch where you go when you're emotionally low. You didn't have this stuff is not sorted and you're trying to fill that stuff with relationships, with attention, with all the wrong things and that's how you got there. Nobody just wakes up and went, oh, I just didn't expect it. We say to our young dating couples, you know what? Someone said to me, how, you know, how do you know when's too far is too far? I'm like, you know what? If you're not comfortable doing it with mum and dad in the room, it's too far. So if you're snogging away and you're comfy with mum and dad sitting there, that's obviously okay. But if you're snogging away in a way that you just, you know, if my mum and dad walked in, I'd feel it's too far. Watch where you go when you're emotionally low. We say to our guys, you know what? If you know that about yourself, then put some boundaries in place. Never be in a car alone. Never be in a house alone. Go out in group, whatever. I'm not saying you could never as a dating couple maybe go on a date and trying to find out if we like each other. But I'm just saying going to the movies and finding out if you like each other is completely different from finding a dark alley and parking. It's like it's completely different. Don't try and marry it up as the same thing. Oh, we're just seeing if we connect. It's like, ah, male, female, you connect, all right? What about overspending just to fit in? Speaking to the older ladies now. Oh, got to 
Got to be in. Some of the older guys, oh, you know, he's got a new car, doing this, doing that, whatever. Over, whatever it is, watch where you go when you're emotionally hurt. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Another key, I don't know what time I started, Drew. No, 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 but what time did I start? Okay. Uh, live in the moment. Stop re- thinking about the future, reliving the past. Be in the now. Uh, reward good thinking. Again, if you do something right and you um, got it right, then reward yourself. Hey, you know, and that's part of that, that weight loss thing too when they say set yourself little goals and if you accomplish them, then give yourselves a little reward. If you do something that's giving you emotional margin, reward yourself. You'll know what it is that speaks to you. I, it'll be different for everyone else, but reward yourself. Creating margin is counterculture. It goes against everything that this world says is right, true, and worth doing. Creating margin is counterculture. Mary was criticized, but Jesus affirmed her choice. It won't happen by chance. You getting margin in your life will not just happen. Well, I'll just see what happens if I sit back. No, it won't happen. You start putting some of these things into place. It requires a determined effort of you making choices, putting some things in place. If you make the adjustments, margin will follow. And now you may be sitting there and going, well, why bother? Because if I just make margin, I know what it's about. You just want to then fill my margin with stuff here at the church. Because I know that's how some of you are thinking. It's not about the church trying to take your margin from you and saying, come on, get involved. You know what it's about? Every one of us in this room one day will stand before the king. No one will miss this opportunity. Every one of us. And you know what he's going to ask? He's going to say, do you know what? What did you do with my son? What did you do with the gifts and the talents that are placed in you? And it's not good enough for us to say, well, you know what? I, I didn't make the adjustment. So I didn't have the finances at my disposal to give or to get involved in um, projects or um, just blessing someone or just making room so I could go on a trip or what you know, it doesn't cut it. Or, you know what, my kids were so involved in sport that, you know what, I just didn't have the spare time. Every one of us. doesn't matter what my husband's done. I can't go there going, but I'm Tony's wife. And he led victory and he's going to be Kath. What did you do? With the gifts and the talents I've placed within you, what did you do? And some of us have to make margin, not so that the church can fill it, but that we can walk in the destiny and the gifts and the purpose and the calling that God's placed on our life. Because listen to this scripture. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He who has saved us, And called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. And he's going to judge me and call me on account to what I did of the purpose for my life. And I might want to stand there and go, yeah, but so-and-so did it. He's going to say, I don't care what so-and-so did because you don't know what the call and the purpose was on so-and-so's life. He's going to say, what did you do? 
And the same question, and I don't know about you, but I want to be standing before my king and I want to hear, Kath, well done, good, faithful servant. And it doesn't finish there. Do you know what it says? It says, come and share your master's happiness. I want to be able to share in my master's happiness. This isn't a do more message. This is a create more margin so I can fulfill the very things that I was created for. And I'm trusting in sharing that you can make the adjustment so that you can create room and margin in your life so that you can step up and do the very things you have been created for. They could be completely different and possibly will be to the person next to you, but they're the things that you've been created for. Let me finish with this quote and scripture. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's the scripture, and if the band want to come up. But listen to what we Christians, this is how we interpret it. Some Christians infer from this verse that God has completely removed from us the natural limitations he designed in the first place and that we have supernatural ability to do God's work. Can you swim from Sydney to Honolulu in seven minutes? Can you stay awake for 132 consecutive days? No. But that in no way diminishes our understanding of God's power in our lives. It simply reminds us that God created us as finite beings with finite limits. And that's okay. Because we have access, as we heard this morning from Sis, to an infinite God. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I encourage you? Go to Jesus. Let him help you simplify those areas of your life so that you can create margin and find rest and take up his easy yoke and his light burden. Amen. Thank you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. God bless.